sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports fans. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Thursday, November 5th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and back at it, burning the candle at both ends, is my man Kevin Walsh, giving you all the information you need to have a profitable day, and we will try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And Kev, we missed you, brother man. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I just, you know, we should, uh, you know the little Wayne, uh, the lighter at the beginning of those songs. Yeah. You know, he's about to yeah. go off. That wouldn't be yeah. for candle burner. That might work. I don't know. So <laughs> we're workshopping okay. it. We're workshopping it. Okay, we'll figure it out. Or something like at the beginning of the show, a big DJ Khaled being like another one. Because that's what we do here <laughs> every single day. Give you what you need. But I know you were back at it last night on in-game live. And yeah. one of the biggest things you guys had to follow was the matching taking mm. place on Wednesdays. We had mid-major Matt on earlier. And I know you mentioned that this was going to be a great market for us because we had the expertise of mid-major Matt, but we also had the time mm -hmm. to look at these games, understand these games, and start to make meaning of them so we could apply it in the future. So let's do that to start because college football is going to be a big part of our show. Yesterday, last night, the Buffalo Bulls, who a lot of people believe are the cream of the crop in the MAC, they got the job done 49 to 13. This game opened, Kev, I believe at like 10 and a half, got steamed all the way beyond two touchdowns. I saw it up to at least 14 and a half at one point. It didn't matter. The Bulls get the job done, winning by 19. Um, we heard that this is the best team in the conference. Did it look that way to you? So, for a long time, no. And then... Scoop and score touchdown, 21-16 becomes 28-16. The very next drive, scoop and score touchdown. Huh. What? Who Matt does that? He told us about their defense. He told us about their defense. I mean, 100%. But even the best defenses in the world don't get consecutive scoop and score touchdowns. And then, by the way, <laughs> they picked you and I off the next drive. Four plays later, they scored three touchdowns okay. in like three minutes of game time. And obviously this thing was over. They also, by the way, had a pick six as well. All of this in the second half. They scored 21 second-half points on defensive touchdowns. It was absolutely out of control. Credit to you and I, though, putting up 14 points uh, in the back end of that game. Now, I wasn't uh, as tuned into it because, again, Buffalo, once they had their defenses, I mean, again, it was scoop and score, scoop and score. Like, the game's over. Right, right, right. We're not doing anything else here. So, uh, you know, but credit to you and I for not tapping out. That might be something to remember when it comes to a total, perhaps, that might involve a you and mm. I. Where you're like, ah, hey, you know what? This team is going to clearly still try and score until the last minute. This team wants to do whatever they can to keep things respectable. I think ultimately for Buffalo, though, Dane, considering it was 21-16, they didn't look like, as you were kind of saying, ah. what we believe to be the class of the MAC, and then okay. finding a way to still win by nearly 20 points. 
Right. I think that is a pretty good sign, even if, look, can you rely on three defensive touchdowns? No. Again, that's insane. But the fact that they were able to put that together, it shows that this is a complete football team. No, I like that, right? And that's what we say about all of actually good teams, right? They should be able to win even when they're not playing their A game. And it sounds like the Bulls found the way as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country. Big shout out to the Mightier 1090. Thank you for waking up very early with us, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh, back in the saddle, burning the candle. We had a closer game in the MAC, uh, Central Michigan and Ohio. This one wound up 30 to 27. The Chippewas game. Get it done. Were you following this one? Because this one was a little bit tighter. Yeah, we were following this one. And I'll tell you what, um, I was on the show last night with Mike Blute, and the both of us had a couple of totals, a couple of overs that at certain points look good. And hmm. nothing else happened. Uh, this game saw the opening kickoff of the second half returned for a touchdown. And Mike was sat there with a over of, I believe, 64 and a half. So that first touchdown goes back. He's like, oh, my God, this is amazing, right? The next thing you know, there's a punt, fumble on the first play. Two plays later, Central Michigan puts up points, and it's 27 all with 10 minutes left in the third quarter. I mean, come on, right? I mean, come on. Like, this thing is obviously going to keep trending. Three more points the rest of the way. And I don't know if that's a Mac thing. But it doesn't feel like that was the only spot that happened. I pull your attention to Eastern Michigan, Kent State. 13-9 in the first quarter. Things really slowed down the rest of the way. That total also crept up into the 70s and ultimately barely hit 50. Bowling Green Toledo, that was the game that I was on to go over the number. Now, that was a total of 63. You see 41 points, you go, you... Obviously, had no idea what you were doing. Score was twenty-one nothing with three minutes left in the first quarter. This total got all the way up into the seventies. We were we were well on our way, and all of a sudden the points were gone. I mean, the score was twenty-one nothing with three minutes left in the first quarter. Then it, it went into half twenty-one nothing. And I was watching the game, and I still don't know if I could accurately describe to you what in the world went wrong. So I don't know if it's the Mac. I don't know if it was the week one, but for whatever reason, this doesn't maybe feel like a league where when you see it opening up, I don't know if that's going to continue, and live unders might be an angle on the Mac. Okay, good thing to know. That's what we're doing. We're looking at these new markets to try to figure it out. Also remember, Miami of Ohio got the job done against Ball State, our producer Brian's favorite squad, 38-31. That game did probably get over the number. Mm -hmm. We'll look at the rest of college football when we come back. We're off and running right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. You know, we're looking at the Mac because here's the thing whether it's, you know, KBO, whether it's Champions League soccer, we are looking for markets to try to get some money. That's what we're doing. We're hoping your, you know, your holiday gifts can be high end for your family this year mm-hmm. or that you get what you need to keep it moving in what is a crazy 2020. So we're looking at the action that takes place on Wednesday. And Kev, I know you're plugged into it, watching it from in game live following it that and the mls was probably the only things going on last night so what else did you notice whether it be in the totals whether it be in the style of play or some of these teams that maybe are a little bit better or worse than originally anticipated yeah so uh, a couple of things one more thing on the total four and two to the over last night right and i said jokingly Hmm. to you i said yep i found a way to bet one of the two that went under and I bet it twice, right? Because I was bet the second half over. For the full game, I haven't had a chance. We should have got over in the second half. It is what it is. But the two games that went under, the two biggest totals on the board. And they went way under by two touchdowns. And I don't know what to make of that. Because was the book that off? Again, Eastern Michigan, Kent State, the new number got into the 70s. The same thing happened with Bowling Green, Toledo. The games just fell apart. Uh, Buffalo and Northern Illinois went over by two touchdowns. Western Michigan, Akron, over by two touchdowns. Ball State, Miami. So the totals were all wrong, basically, for week one. We talked about the adjustments. What do week two totals look like? Completely fascinated to see. The second thing I just want to say, and it's kind of something for myself, but maybe people out there as well. I was very close to playing a teaser. Yesterday in the Mac. Okay. And playing college football teasers is honestly usually asking for things to go wrong. Right. Because things can go so haywire. Spreads can wind up being 30. Games can go into the 80s. You know, so you just try to get six more points. That might not be enough for the way you go. Exactly. And, but I will say this. Yesterday, the teaser that I had hypothetically pieced together and almost click submit on would have won. At the end of the day, This is a league that we are all going to be following. I cannot stress this enough. No NBA for now. No NHL for now. This is Tuesday nights. This is Wednesday nights. It's not a degenerate move. Don't like because I just I think betting Maction has this connotation though of like oh yeah DJ NFL exactly betting the WNBA but people don't understand those are good markets to play in because it's not the entire public in there so you can find some edges and that's what we do here on Sports Grid and. And I think you're also going to see that this is going to become more public. There's nothing else sure. on. So those teaser plays, right, mm-hmm. that can help you kind of get off some key numbers, yeah. I actually think are viable. And I think it is fair. If you, you know, I was going to take Buffalo down, right? I was going to try and take Toledo down and ultimately, you know, Ball State up. It was actually going to be a three-team, ten-point teaser because that's a little confidence I had. And what a hit. There's what it is. But I, I just think that those are a couple of things that I, I felt coming away. I, and I'll tell you this, I looked ahead, the Tuesday slate, not good. Next Wednesday, real good stuff from there. All right. Sounds good. I mean, remember, think about this. Think about all the money that came in on things like the NFL draft market, Kev, when it was the only game in town, yeah. right? And so this is sort of the same thing, and we are lucky here on the grid and on the early line to have our guy, mid-major Matt, 
proactively to give you the leans, to give you the edges, to get a little bit of cash midweek. You've got to love that. Uh, you weren't here yesterday, Kev, and we had our guy. We went for the two yesterday with Joe Lisi. And so I want to tell you some of the main takeaways I had because I know that Lisi does a great job of informing you and your card moving forward for the weekend. So, you know, the first thing I want to report to you from Joe Lisi, mm. Kev, is uh, he thinks Georgia can beat Florida this week. I mean, excuse me, vice versa. He likes Florida over Georgia this week, okay? Mm. He thinks that the kid Trask, the kid Pitts, the tight end Kyle Pitts, he thinks that they are offensively good enough to challenge the Georgia Bulldogs and that even though he predicted it, if you remember, he said he didn't. He wouldn't be surprised if Georgia was in a tight game with Kentucky last weekend, if you remember. And the Bulldogs only got through that one, I believe, 14-3. And he's mm-hmm. buying into these Florida Gators off extended rest because of their kind of outbreak. He thinks they are going to get it done. Remember, this game is the cocktail party. Uh, Kevin, it's usually in Jacksonville. I don't know with COVID this year if that's what's happening. Um, and he had to double check on that if it was in, literally in between the hedges. But we do think it will be at Jacksonville, kind of that neutral site. He's on the Gators in this one, Kev. Yeah, that's actually pretty interesting. So that's going to yeah. be at Jacksonville at three thirty, and then a couple hours later, over yeah, you Irish. know at Daly's place. No, at Daly's place oh. is where the AW is going to be. Um, what is it, full gear or just, something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty interesting. Um, I'll say this. Now, is Florida Live eighth team in the country? They very well should yeah. be. Of course, we always value Joe's opinion. This is the, this is, uh, you know, you always talk about styles make fights. This is very much so perfectly made. Florida's defense is pretty bad. At least it has been. Georgia's offense, certainly the weak point of that team. Florida's right. offense has been great. Right, strength Georgia might have the best defense and, in the yeah. country. Yeah, it's weakness versus weakness and strength versus strength. <laughs> and who wins out? Who wins out? Ultimately, I think I trust Georgia's defense more. And hmm. that is why I would lean on Georgia. What will be really interesting is, Dane, watching for this hook. Does three and a half become three? Does Gator money come in? And if so, it does feel like the kind of game where, you know, you might want to wait for that. You you want to wait for that hook to appear or not. Uh, and that plus three and a half right now is minus 120, meaning we're trending closer to a flat three than certainly going anywhere near a four. Yeah, what's interesting to me, Kev, if you, like you said, strength v. strength and weakness v. weakness, but in that strength versus strength, it sounds like you trust the Georgia defense, right, to to limit, let's say, the Gator offense. So then can I tempt you with the under in this game? So, in all sincerity, yesterday, I bet the over in the Bowling Green Toledo game. Okay. And I do truly believe a part of that is because I lost the under in the Giants Bucks game. Because I'm real Ooh, tired of losing. That's not the way it's to not do it, cha- bro. You know that. I'm, I'm tired of losing unders like this. Okay? The Wisconsin Illinois game. And every bet the is stupid an Maryland trial, bro. Minnesota game. Yeah. You. You know, 100% always true. Advice that I could give anybody. Other than myself in the moment. 2019, Kev. A hundred percent. So, ultimately, would I lean to the under? Yeah. Would I bet the under? No. 
Yeah. All right. All right. Fair enough. You would be. Bo- uh, I wonder how you react to this. Lisi is confident to go back to the Michigan Wolverines. He thinks that oh, they God. will get the job done against Indiana um, in that matchup. Twenty number twenty three, Michigan going to Indiana doesn't necessarily believe in the Hoosiers and does still believe in the Michigan Wolverines. What say you, Kev? One thing that jumps out in that game right now, the money line to the two-and-a-half disparity is mm. pretty wide. Um, Michigan was laying two-and-a-half to Minnesota, and that money line was not minus 160, close to minus 150. Ten cents can make a difference to someone. Um, so that stands out to me immediately. Now, buying low on teams is great. Michigan played Michigan State, rivalry game. You know, at the end of the day, laying over three touchdowns, maybe we all should have had mortgages on Michigan State, knowing that that was really not feasible. This is a very, very difficult spot, right? Now, if you go college football transit of property, which is the easiest way to lose money, but Indiana beat Rutgers, Rutgers beat Michigan State, Michigan State beat Michigan. Indiana's home. Right. I think it's really difficult, Dane, to get a feel for, and it's entirely Minnesota's fault, mind you, of is you know did Michigan lose in a rivalry game where they didn't have it? Sure. Or is Michigan not or, that good? Right. Because Minnesota stinks. So now I don't know how good that Michigan win is. Mm-hmm. Indiana's done well for themselves here the first couple of games out. I'd love yeah. to buy low, but I don't know. I don't know. It's real tough. Yeah, fair enough. Remember, you could always turn that coaster over to red and not necessarily play the game. When we come back here, Kev, there's another game I want to talk to you about, another conference I want to talk to you about that Lisi had opinions. And there's a player out there that he gave me a comp to that I think is pretty interesting. Remember, there's not going to be one or two, but maybe three quarterbacks off the board in the top 10. So some insight there when we come back as well. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Big shout-out to all of our affiliates. Thanks for spreading the good word and having more and more people be able to put the fun and functional sports content with us every weekday morning, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Kev, as you know, the MAC was not the only conference that's getting going this week. The Pac-12 does as well. It is a power conference and you know we have been talking you know oklahoma state lost last week you know about my chaos theory but then there are two teams in a power five conference in the oregon ducks and the usc trojans that you know are already ranked and may have the ability to upset the party you know because of their Mm -hmm. reputation and if they do in fact stay undefeated ironically though kev Joe Lisi thinks that the USC Trojans on paper are better than the Oregon Ducks. And so it's ironic. He actually thinks USC is better, but because USC is starting from further back, right, ranked 20th instead of ranked like 12th or 13th, whatever the Ducks are, that it will still be a challenge. And he's now saying that what he thinks is the only path is if both of them, in essence, are undefeated and then one beats the other in what looks like a championship game. That would then be that quality win that's needed. Mm -hmm. And also said, though, 
watch out for Herm Edwards and Arizona State because they're going to be legit this year as well. Yeah, Herm Edwards very, very tricky uh, trying to bet against him as a dog yeah. uh, at Arizona State. Um, I'll tell people this right now. The Keep the Pac-12 Alive money line parlay of uh, Oregon outright and USC outright yeah. is minus 195. Um, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's reasonable, I would say. Um, I'll tell you this, though. If those two teams do show up to that final meeting in the, in the Pac-12 championship unbeaten, It'd be criminal for one of them then to not get into the college football playoff. Because at that point, uh, right, we're talking about something like seven versus nine or something like that, right? Because all the yeah. other teams will have fallen by the wayside. We're talking about, you know, the second but, week of December, right? So at the this point, they'll is, both be top ten teams. I don't know if everyone's going to fall by the wayside. Again, I know, BYU, I know. BYU is going to either beat Boise and stay top ten the rest know, of the right. year, like, or... They're going to just double down to the 20s, right? And if they beat Boise, like, that's a tough... BYU, and listen, yeah. I know it's BYU. They're scoring 40 a game they're with a genuine Heisman contender. Yeah. A legitimate mm-hmm. Heisman contender. Those are the type of things that gives you legs. Your Cincinnati Bearcats very well could run the table. The You know, this week Houston is tough. UCF, obviously mm-hmm. it's a big game. Notre Dame might beat Clemson this week. And if they do that, the Pac-12's got automatically like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Bama could lose in the SEC title game to a Georgia, to a Florida. A&M might finish this season with a right. loss to Alabama, being the SEC champions. So I agree. Odds are, if USC and Oregon meet, both unbeaten. The winner probably gets the fourth spot. But there's no guarantee at all that either one of them is even eighth with the way this current season is playing out. So so let me say this, right? Because I want to get us back on the on the on the same page together. So we're cheering for the same things, right? And I will move a little mm. bit here. You know I've been on chaos theory, right? And getting the Bearcats to four because that's good for the sports investment world, right? If the Bearcats get to four, if you're holding the 200 to one, then you get to hedge like crazy. And that's part of where chaos theory and the perfect storm come. To your point, though, Kev, however, another way that I'll be really excited <laughs> and happy is if the chaos theory lands it with, like you say, a one-loss Clemson, Bama, Notre Dame, uh, Georgia, let's say, Texas A&M, if that kind of one-loss team, Ohio State even, whatever, does finish fourth, and we are standing at the poll or the standings or what have you on, like, December 12th, right? And what's also possible, Kev, is that the number five, six, and seven teams in the country combine for zero losses. That is possible. Kev, that we would have, say, Cincy, BYU, and USC, right, at 5, 6, and 7, all undefeated and still on the outside looking in, whereby a one-loss SEC team, Mm -hmm. right, like Georgia, let's say, um, is in, or a one-loss Notre Dame is in, right? That's also officially part of my chaos theory. Yeah, no, listen, I, I told would, you, like... It would give us the uh, the case to expand. That's also Right, and that's really what theory. I want. Like, if 2020 I think builds the case for expansion. It's way more valuable 
for Cincinnati to get left out as an unbeaten than get in at four and get rolled by Clemson, right? That it's way more valuable to kind of the argument that we're looking to make here. Sure. But even think about the fact that Oklahoma State is done. Are we sure that that's reasonable? I mean, this team could be a one-loss Big 12 champion whose only loss would be against Texas in overtime. In overtime, yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Like, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And the one thing that I like to do a lot of times is I just pull up the rankings at the point of the conversation. Now, one of Georgia or Florida this week would be removed, right? So I'm just going to remove Florida because they're the dog. And I'm going to move BYU up to eight. Okay, I'm going to leave everything else unchanged. Here's your one through eight, okay, matchups that we would be given. Clemson versus BYU. Now, would they be favored by 30? Sure, they're favored by 30 against ACC teams, and it's a legitimate Heisman contender showing up to the party in BYU. I don't think I'm wasting your time there. Bama, Texas A&M. Yes, we've already seen the game, but this A&M team looks to be getting better. Bama's lost Jalen Waddell. Could be a good game. Ohio State, Mm -hmm. Cincinnati. A lot of connections there. A lot of connections there. I'd be all about that game. And then Notre Dame, Georgia alone is worth the price of admission for this college football playoff expansion. Where am I wasting your time? And by the way, this exercise still leaves out a Pac-12 champion and a Big 12 champion. So I, I just... As we're doing this, it is becoming to me increasingly more obvious that hope that the college football playoff should be expanding. And I think eventually we are going to, and by we, I genuinely, I mean you and I are going to go from chaos theory to feeling almost a little beaten down that teams like Cincinnati and BYU right. and maybe even the Pac-12 have done so much right. for nothing, for nothing. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the that's the Central Florida feeling. That's the Boise yeah. State feeling, right? And and eventually, they're going to need to be given a chance. And I'm with you. To be quite honest, I don't know if you've ever heard my platform. I would push it even further. I did this exercise with our guy Jared one day, and um, maybe you'd like it. We'll talk about it another time when we mm-hmm. have more time. You mentioned Zach Wilson, the quarterback for BYU, as a legitimate Heisman candidate. I got to tell you the truth, though. Joe Lisi doesn't see it that way. Joe Lisi still thinks this kid is, you know, not really at that level, that he's performing well for BYU, but that he shouldn't really be known as a Heisman contender. I know he's now fourth on the board. Part of that is because of BYU. I will say this, though. A quarterback that he was high on, that he did like is my guy Trey Lance the third quarterback out of North Dakota State and he was saying that this guy is incredible with the ball is accurate can run and he offered a comp to a recent number one overall pick Kev you know who he thinks that Lance could uh profile to or be comped as you want to take a guess I mean based on your one number one pick is it Jameis no, he sees a lot of Baker Mayfield in the kid Lance. Okay. Um, and remember, though, in college, Baker was incredibly accurate, right? His PFF grades and things of that nature. And he did show a little bit of uh, legs 
at Oklahoma. And so that was an intriguing one to me. I kind of stood up and took notice. And he does believe that Lance is a valid first-round pick, a valid guy who will start to impress the more and more we find out about him in the kind of uh, draft and workout process. He was intrigued by Lance and offered the comp of Baker Mayfield, which I thought was uh, valid or impressive, you know, kind of buoying me, thinking that we should keep an eye on this kid, Davis. What do you say? I I will say um, I always can appreciate when comps have the ability to break the mold in terms of they look similar, therefore they are similar. Right? right, every white player that's ever come through the draft is sure. a JJ Reddick, right? Like that's just kind of right, right, right. how this works, um, which is obviously never true. Um, Trey Lance is six four, two twenty five. You know, Baker is six one two fifteen. Like those are pretty considerably different body types. So I already just through that prism appreciate. The comparison, I, I've what, certainly not broken. Bigger, yeah, yeah, but I, I've not broken down anything of, uh, on terms of Trey Lance enough to know how apt that fair. comparison is. But it, it is exciting to think that this class might have three real okay. legit guys at the top. And I, I know that you've made this point before, but last year, you know, if you would have looked at odds for the number one pick, it would have been Tua with a bullet. And yeah. next thing Bullet you know, came out of nowhere. Yeah. Right, so I think in that ultimately, year with Baker, remember the talk was really more like Sam Darnold or oh even yeah, like Saquon Barkley, and Josh, Josh Allen. Rosen, Josh yeah, Allen. Yeah, yeah. You know, people knew about Lamar also, but Baker steamed up. And remember, all yeah. it takes is one franchise who's picking there to fall in love with him. You know, no, for sure, and that's why I think it'll be really interesting because. Again, there's there's just simply not enough time in the shows that we do to get into next year's quarterback carousel. Right. But well, there will be. It is <laughs> it is going to be a lot, a yes. lot, and yes. having three to four top ten quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. really, really adds to the chaos. Yep. The cycle will continue to turn. When we come back, we turn our attention to the association where there's some news. We'll be back here on the early line. <laughs> SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on to the early line, giving you the edge, Dane and Kevin, as usual. Hey, Kev, I know you're going to love this. we got to talk NBA. You know, we, we've crowned our champion, right? The Lakers, yay, put some respect on LeBron's name, all that stuff, right? But now <laughs> we have to turn the page to the next year, Kev, on a number of levels. On For one thing is we're still trying to figure out when is that season going to start. Remember, we talked about this condensed off season, and now there's a couple of markers here, right? There's the idea of the, having the games on Christmas being able to go, the traditional Christmas Day kind of blitz on all the networks. What some people may not realize, though, is also because of COVID, uh, the Olympics have moved from the summer of 2020 to the summer of 2021. And so the NBA also wants to have this all wrapped up 
by the Summer of Olymp- Olympics next summer in 2021. And then, obviously, the main factor, Kev, is the almighty dollar, right? Just like we were doing in Major League Baseball over the summer, we were thinking about the back and forth to get the right amount of games. Why? For the revenue of it all, right? So that the owners don't take a loss. And so it looks like the owners have been wanting the 72-game schedule, which would need to start on December 22nd. The players are like, ah! We want more of a break. We don't know if we'll play in the first month. We want it Martin Luther King Day. The tea leaves I'm reading, Kev, is that it will, money talks, and it will, in fact, be December 22nd, and it looks like the Player Association is going to go with it, 72 games, starting Mm -hmm. late December and being clear by the 2021 Olympics. Yeah, uh, and I ultimately, you see the amount of money that's on the line, yeah, and the reports that the players felt that this was inevitable. Yeah, yeah, it was inevitable, right? Um, of now, a couple of notes here. Um, this is from Shams Tirana about how he believes the December twenty second start date plays out. So, training camp uh, would be three weeks long, beginning on December first. Three right. to four preseason games, seventy two game regular season. Now, you might think to yourself, "Ah, 10 less games, it's probably way more wiggle room, these guys won't be playing as many back-to-backs. Wrong. Again, condensed. 14 back-to-backs per team. So that's a healthy amount, okay? That's a healthy amount. A couple of other things at play that he reported uh, was a 25% reduction in travel, all-star break Mm. for six days in early March, regular season ending around May 16th. We are going to do the play-in tournaments again, it appears, nice. uh, with the 7s Seven, uh, through 10 seeds in the East and the West. Uh, the playoffs starting around May 22nd, and the finals finishing around July 22nd. Now, again, all indications are this is going to end up being confirmed, right. approved, agreed upon. Right. I really, really think we are looking at a situation where the NBA futures market Specifically, win totals when they come out right. is going to be it might, like next to impossible to break I down because load management. Because of load management. Well, yeah, and, and it's and it, this is the thing. I know a lot of people hate and disdain load management. Um, I'm significantly softer on it, I guess, than most people. But you're again, your Lakers, your Heat, your Nuggets, your Celtics. Can you pinpoint some teams where that? will happen, and Correct. others where that absolutely will not, Kev, right? So, like, some of these young teams that are going for it, right? Like, you know, uh, Devin Booker is not going to mm. sit out the back of back-to-backs because the Suns are trying to prove something and ascend. Trey Young sure. is not sitting sure. out the second game of back-to-backs. Am I, am I right? Mm-hmm. No, you're 100% correct. Now, let me just say as well with the back-to-backs, though, right? Even when we get into the groove of things, right, because that early season might be hit or miss with some of these guys. Even when we get into the groove of things, yeah, I don't know how many guys are going to be playing in these back-to-backs, right? In terms okay. of the guys that matter. Your LeBrons, Kawhi won't play in any of them. Uh, even a Giannis, right? Jimmy Butler's. Will these guys, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, are these guys mm-hmm. ever going to play in back-to-backs? I mean, think about that right there. If you're the Nets with those two guys coming off injuries, you probably never play them back-to-back, which means you will have 14 of 72 games 
where if they right. alternate it, you won't have both guys, or right, right, right. they punt seven games. Very, very difficult to cap. I think where you and are with the standings matters to that, right? Because I think 100%. the Nets are a great example, Kev. A great mm-hmm. example, right? Yeah. Some people believe the Nets could be a top three team in the East, right? And listen, yeah. you got KD and Kyrie and my guy Dinwiddie and Levert and all that stuff, right? I understand right. it. But if they get out the gate slow, Kev... Then maybe mm-hmm. it's like, forget all that. We need y'all. You know, if they're right. toiling in the seventh spot, right, when they have designs on being a team that has home court advantage, then it might be mm-hmm. like, to hell with that. We got to plow forward. Like, the right. uh, what I'm saying is that load management is a luxury that yes. teams may have. Right. But if they don't have that luxury, then get out there, Kyrie. But so this is the thing, though. These guys almost don't know what kind of luxury they have. 72-game season. Less time to make up for a slow start. But the start of the year is probably where you're trying Mm -hmm. to be cautious and ease into some things. That's what makes it difficult. Might we see teams saying, listen, I just got to be one of six. Again, with this playing tournament, you don't want to be ended up being, right, seven or eight. Right. In, an, in another world as well, though, could a team be like, oh, all I got to do is finish top 10, we'll do the plan, we'll be fine. How many teams care about being the number one overall seed? Not Here's the other thing that we have to think about. You mentioned Trey Young. My guy, Trey Young. Love Trey Young. I don't know if you know that about me. Love Trey Young. Okay? Trey Young has not played in Since March. Forever. Since March. March 11th. March 11th. Was his last game? Gave the Knicks forty-two. Or non- the, all the teams that were not invited to the bubble. But yeah, I mean, Dane, we're going to be talking about nine months since I these know. guys have played. What in remember the world there was that idea of having expect? like another bubble? Remember yeah. uh, they were going to have like yeah. another bubble just so that these guys could stay sharp as <laughs> kind of like yeah. a Vegas summer league bubble. And we may see that, right? I don't know how it's going to look with some of these teams. You know, think about the Golden State Warriors for goodness sakes, right? They haven't played oh, since yeah. March. You know, think about that and what that rest disparity is when some teams were playing in the bubble all the way into mm-hmm. September and October. And here's the thing, because I want to now work backwards, Kev. A little bit, sure. right? We talk about when the season will end, when training camp may begin. You mentioned December 1st. Bro, it's November 5th today. You know what also has to happen? All of free mm-hmm. agency, which I believe is yes. supposed to happen starting yes. November 21st. And now we're going to have new humans in the building for COVID protocols and all that stuff, right? But what happens even before that? Literally in less than two weeks, Kev, the NBA draft. You know, these are kids who will probably not need load management at all. But I think we need to look at that, too. These teams are going to get better over the next mm-hmm. literally two weeks, Kev. So we need to start knowing these names and we need to start resetting the kind of board. What may happen as you see it here. We yeah. go Minnesota, Golden State, Charlotte, all the way down. My Knicks have a pick number eight. And you see Boston Celtics finishing up the lottery because of you know um, picks they have via trade. And then there's some names we got to know, right? Everybody from LaMelo Ball to Anthony Edwards to Obi Toppin and stuff like that. Um, you see the odds to be the first overall pick right now is Anthony Edwards. I don't know, though, Kev. Do the Minnesota Timberwolves want a young kid? Or do they just want a veteran to pair with Russ and uh, 
Carl Anthony Towns. Same thing with Golden State at number two. Do they really want a kid to get along with the Splash Brothers and Kerr and yeah. Draymond Green? Or would they want, you know, to flip that for a Kelly Oubre, for goodness sakes, or another mm-hmm. veteran that could help them? How do you see this playing out? Because, Kev, it's like a week and a half away. Yeah, so there is so much here. It is it is almost hilarious. Um, I will say this. If anybody out there was a frequent uh, viewer of the lovely entity that was betting around the rim, uh, yeah. you have beaten a ton of numbers here that are on the board. Anthony Edwards is around even money, uh, and that was even on the night of the lottery. He's now minus 330. Do not bet that number. You cannot bet that number. LaMelo Ball many moons ago was double the plus 260 number that was there. Uh, that's reasonable. I think he's live for the number one overall pick. Wiseman is really... Not someone I put a ton of stock into. It's just really difficult to be a big in this day and age. Really, really right. small sample size for Wiseman at Memphis as well. And I don't know how Is much that goes against him. That fits with Golden State, though? Um, I guess it depends what go Golden way, State wants, but in though, the time, you know, right? Like, can he run, I, can I would, he run the floor? Can he, you know, does he not need the ball kind of stuff? He he can run the floor for sure. He's definitely a good athlete. Difficult to tell how good of a defender he is. He's got mm. great length to him. But, it, you know, you would right. think for this team, hey, can you just catch some lobs and play some great defense? Right. Onyeka can you Oguwalu, be McGee or Willie Cauley-Stein? <laughs> look, Onyeka out of USC is that, no doubt about it. Like, there's a lot of people who don't think Wiseman's the best big in this class. Onyeka is sat there at 100-1, to but... He's not going to go first on Yaka. Like realistically, and you you know you keep kind of rolling through the odds here, right? I mean, there's only six guys that are below a hundred to one, and just wow, to yeah. round out the other guys, Denny out of Egypt, he's not going to go number one overall. He just Obi at Tom, the end of the day, it would be Ant or Lamelo. They would go over. Killian Hayes is the one guy that I have seen on some people's boards ranked above some. The kid out of France, actually, I don't know what kind of the CLV you get. When I was throwing his name out there, but he wasn't an option on the board because mm-hmm. FanDuel didn't know enough about Killian yeah, Hayes. Right. So you have to make a bet. So I don't know what kind of CLV you get for a phantom like other. Sure. Like it doesn't work other. out though. The field. The field. Yeah. Right. Which would have been nice. And then there's Obi Toppin again at 44 to 1. He's not going to jump Anthony Edwards. He's just not going to jump right. Anthony Edwards. I think this is a two horse race. The One of them is 330, the other one's 260. But the all-important question that you asked, and I know it took me a long way to get here, but we have no idea. We have no idea. We don't even know who's going to make, as you mentioned, the second overall pick. Like, if you look at the Minnesota Timberwolves, this team's two core pieces of D'Lo and Cat are 24 years old. Why wouldn't you take a young kid? Well, because yeah, this you can't is take Lamelo Ball because he needs the ball in his hands the same way D'Lo does, aren't they? Very similar players. But D'Lo can still shoot three a little bit the way LaMelo can use the ball as getting out in transition. So you're going to move D'Lo to off guard if they make that move? In some sets, I can, right? At the end of the day, this is the other thing, Dane. Look at the way the NBA is trending. You want multiple ball handlers. You need multiple creators. Exactly. And LaMelo is huge for a guard. ball is 6'7", right? He's 6'7", I believe. So that is good. Okay. So, so there, there is value in it actually uh, actually being LaMelo, right? Like, it, yeah, that could work. Possible. And 
again, the way LaMelo needs the ball is different probably than an Anthony Edwards, who on the offensive mm. side of the court is solely score and get my own. Right. LaMelo can run pick and roll with Carl Anthony Towns, find D'Angelo Russell off ball for threes and, and vice versa, right? LaMelo, I think, projects as a better shooter. We'll see how that ultimately lands. But again, I don't know if they want to make the pick. Yeah. And they're losing leverage, though, probably because I don't know if Golden State wants to make the pick. Right. Who's coming so up? The question then one and is there someone who wants to come up to get LaMelo? That would be my question. And unfortunately, yeah. I have to ask you could that team reside in Madison Square Garden, Kev? Um, you know, I want to ask you about this because what are some teams going to do, right? Like, does Minnesota want to get a veteran? Does Golden State want to get a veteran? Do the Knicks want to move up and grab ball? When we come back, I got to ask you more about what some of these team needs may be, what movement you expect, whether it be here or in free agency, because apparently training camp opens in three weeks for the NBA. So let's talk about it a little bit more when we come back on the other side of the break right here. On the early line, Yapu Sabe. Yapu Sabe. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on the grid. And listen, you know, the, the basketball season is like right around the corner. Okay, so we got to talk to Kevin about some of this. And listen, Kev, not only with the draft, right, because teams may make some moves, some trades, what have you. Talk to me about that and free agency, which will happen, you know, before Thanksgiving, a mere three weeks away. Um, what do you expect to be kind of the biggest things that happen? Like is Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, are they going elsewhere? Victor Oladipo, where does that wind up? I heard a random report that the Heat would be down to trade Tyler Hero and or Duncan Robinson to get Giannis back. You know, like this is going to start to get buzzed. So whether it's some of these kids out of college or some of the big time movers and shakers here for the idea of the balance of power, what are you looking for? What do you expect to happen the rest of the month? Yeah, um, man, it's going to be fun. I don't yeah, like, like Oladipo, I love the- Westbrook. What are the names we need to watch? Like as much as I love the NBA regular season, God, the off season is the best. It's the best. Um, I'll tell you this now. I don't know um, if you guys got to this stuff yesterday. Uh, perhaps w- without me, maybe not. Um, Drew Holiday, they're shopping ah. him in New Orleans. Okay, right. That's important. Is Drew Holiday what he was that series where the Pelicans swept the Blazers? I'm not sure. But on a contender, he could be. for a contender. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're very open to trading him. The Denver Nuggets, the Miami It's like a Goran Dragic. The Indiana Pacers. Right? Like in the right scenario. I think even more so. I think even more so. Honestly. And and Drew Holiday's a big piece. The other piece of news that came out. Now, how newsy is it? Eh, it depends on your, you know, uh, what you're thinking. I think this is the type of stuff, though, that Dane loves. But James Harden... Evidently, yes. Daryl Morey would love to and trade Doc for James Harden. Morey yeah. and Doc want him. Yeah. Does that matter if the Rockets, it's a non-starter? No. But I'll tell you what. If at the end of the day, James Harden's in Houston, watch, just watched everything go the way it did, D'Antoni's gone, and he hears that there's other suitors, 
You know, mm-hmm. you start thinking about it, and all he does is he slips that trade request, and the NBA burns to ashes because we can't believe that James Harden's requested a trade. I don't ultimately think he moves, but boy, would that be something. And then, as you mentioned, your Oladipo's, the fact that we know picks one and two in the draft are completely available to be traded for yeah. is also a very, very big deal. And does Giannis ultimately sign a Supermax in Milwaukee? Very interesting. All right, fair enough. We'll keep our eyes on all of those stories in the remaining week. When we come back, it's time to talk football here in the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 